Welcome to this week's Future Toolbox podcast. We explore the Z to A of life skills, where each letter stands for a topic and essential tool to help you get ahead in life. Meet Jules and Mark, creators of the multi-award winning Future Toolbox, and enjoy their straightforward approach to creating growth mindsets that help people turn their dreams into realities. Whether you're a teen in education, a parent, a teacher, or part of a community group, start creating positive habits from today. Hi there, it's Mark and Jules, creators of the multi-award winning Future Toolbox, and welcome to this week's Z2A podcast. Now, this is where we pick a letter and a topic and discuss how you can use our tools to improve your own personal development and life. Yes. So what is this week's letter? Hello and welcome to all of our listeners out there. This week's letter is P for practice. And we've got some fabulous guests with us this week who are going to talk about how they practiced their mastery and their path to mastery. So we have Kirsten and Avon from Happier Every Chapter. It's great to be here. Hi. We're really excited. Yeah. Fantastic. The first thing we're going to let our listeners know is you are officially our youngest guests we've had so far. So we're very excited. So tell us how old you both are. I'm 13, soon to be 14. So yeah, I am 14 soon. And then I'm 15. So guys, I first met you a number of years ago in the Moulton Literary Festival. Was that pre-pandemic, was it? Or was it afterwards? I can't remember now. I think it was just after. Yeah, maybe just after it. Just after, wasn't it? I was absolutely blown away meeting you guys and what you do. So tell us about you and kind of like your backstory and how you became authors. So we're Carson and Avon and we're actually self-published authors. So our backstory is ever since we were younger, we loved to read and write. We were constantly making, you know, small booklets, folding paper in half and writing stories about whatever came to mind. And that really came from our parents. Our parents always read to us. Our mum and our dad always used to tell us bedtime stories before we went to bed. So that really gave us a really strong foundation for um, our love for writing. So as we continue to grow older, um, we entered the BBC 500 World Competition and unfortunately, we didn't win, but we decided to not let this get us down. And we turned our entries into the novels that we've self-published today. Wow. That is an amazing story. And one thing I picked up there, you said that you used to sort of almost play games and pretend to be authors when you were obviously younger. And this is really great because it shows that sometimes your imagination can spark something that you actually want to do. Now, Jules used to pretend to be a librarian, didn't you? I did. I did. I love books. Like you, I have a passion for books. And I think similar in that that came from my mum and dad reading to me from a young age. And it got me into books and and I loved reading them. And it almost the escapism of reading a fantastic story and everything. So, yeah, I decided I wanted to be a librarian. (laughs) And I I turned our house into into a library. And yes, I, I did. (laughs) <laughs> much to everybody's annoyance because all their books I put all the little things in the front of them and I made them so oh, wow cards in that they had to take out and they weren't allowed to read a book unless they came to me first <laughs> however I never really liked to, to be a librarian no but you still are heavily involved in the in the publishing book yes. industry so that's yeah. good but that's really fabulous so you guys now run a business alongside your mum which is pretty impressive for people that are are studying in secondary school we're going to ask what's it like working with your mum well I think the 
first thing is it's definitely a positive working with someone you're so close to, a family member. Because a lot of people work with business partners that maybe they're not related to or they're not necessarily that close with. So there can sort of be that tension there. But I think working with a family member, like I obviously work with Avon and mum very closely, it really does help and you can sort of come together more and share ideas. Yeah, so I think it really has helped us. And of course, mum has been right there by our side all through our journey. So it's really helped having someone as close to us during our whole journey. And it's not just mum as well. Dad's also been a massive counterpart yeah. in business. He often um, overlooks all like, the financial side of things, which is obviously a really big section of the businesses. So both our parents have been just so amazing and it's been great working alongside both of them. Oh, that's really good, isn't it? And it's nice to have those skill sets as well. You know, like you can do the finances because yeah. I, I leave all of that to Mark in our <laughs> business. Not that I, I can do it, but he enjoys doing it more than I probably would. And so I think, yeah, OK, you can do it. <laughs> but I do get what you're saying, because it's nice running a business, like you say, with a member of your family. And mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, we run our business. And so we're like you, quite unique in that way. Some people can't get their heads around how we can work together and and actually be in the same house together like 24 hours a day. But mm-hmm. it's great, isn't it? And it's easy because if you have an idea or if you want to discuss something, you're all there, haven't you? You haven't got to wait till the next day. Wait for an email back or yeah. anything. I know it does mean sometimes that you don't switch off, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we've been guilty of that sometimes, haven't we? It's really late in the evening and all of a sudden you realise you're still working. It's like, no, let's put this down. So how do you manage to sort of juggle it all in terms of getting to school, doing your homework, running your business and, and as well, you know, studying for these upcoming exams? Well, at the time of publishing our books, I had only gone into year seven. So the workload was still not as much as I have now. And Ava was in year six. So there was, you know, she didn't have a lot of work to do. I didn't really have a lot of work to do. So after we'd done our homework, which we didn't really have much of, we could sort of focus on our books. But I would say as we got older, it has been obviously more challenging to juggle school life, you know, time, taking time out for ourselves to make sure we get time to relax and hang out with friends. And then also getting back to writing, because, of course, we're passionate about it and we want to keep doing it. But, you know, we have other things in life to do. So it has been more difficult. I think if you really structure your time in your day and set out times, you know, say this time, yeah, I'm going to write. And then I'll have this time for myself. This time I'll spend doing schoolwork. It can really help, um, you know, keep track, keep on track with everything. And it is difficult to plan out your time. I'm not saying, you know, you're going to definitely do it this time. Definitely do schoolwork that time. It is difficult. Even for me, I quite struggle with, you know, getting myself to apply to something. But I think with continuous practice, you'll get there. Yeah, and you just said the key word there, because please for practice <laughs> yeah, today. Yes. And it is practice. I mean, we try and teach that learning in terms of, of uh, managing your time. Uh, but it is a skill, isn't it? And it's so easy to be distracted. But like you say, the more you do it, the more you practice it, then sometimes it becomes a little bit easier. But honestly, yeah. you know, yeah, I am. I'm still even more in awe of you then <laughs> that you can do all of that and school and you know, set your time to to make sure you try and get everything achieved. It's just it phenomenal, aren't they? As we get more used to it, it's just become like habit now. And yeah. we enjoy writing so much that it doesn't feel like we have to set aside a time. It's like, it's just, we're doing something that yeah. we love. And that's the other thing, isn't it? If, if it's something that you love, it's not like, yeah, it's not you're, like you're working. Yeah. yeah. How many books have you guys actually published? 
So we've published one book each and then we've written a bunch of short stories for our subscription box, usually every month. Now it's become a little bit more sparse as we get like more into the school year. But we try to write short stories as often as possible for our subscription box, Happy Every Chapter. So um, I'm actually planning on making an anthology of all of our short Mm -hmm. stories in the near future. Gosh, can you explain to people that are listening how the uh, subscription, how that all works? Yeah, so we send boxes out every month to ages ranging from 4 to 14. So we have different box plans for the younger kids and then the older kids. And each box, we have a different theme. So in October, we sort of do a Black History Month or a Halloween box. December, obviously, we'll do a more Christmassy box. We recently had an Easter slash Spring box since it's been around that time. And we'll have items in the box to do with the theme. So we might have like a cute little chick in the box or an egg rubber or something like that. And then we have two books in the box, two novels. At least one of them has to be diverse because our main goal is to spread diversity through our subscription box. Um, So we'll have two books and then we'll have either a short story from me, a short story from Avon, or we'll both have a short story in there. And of course, one of them also has to be diverse, or if not both of them. That sounds absolutely amazing. So to get one of those boxes has got to be a real gift. And I picked up on your website it said reading is the most powerful gift you can give a child that's a quote from your website obviously it's a powerful gift to give to an adult as well but I think the younger you get into it I think the better don't you yeah yeah that's the thing whatever you if you teach a child something they're a lot more likely to you know grow up in that nature and reading hits so many buttons doesn't it because it's not just about reading the book and enjoying the story but it also helps you with articulation it helps you with language it helps you with grammar if you become a writer you certainly get better at all of those things don't you so I'm going to ask you guys a question you've written a book each and your sisters do you ever have any competition to see who sells the most books or (laughs) who gets the most positive reviews or anything like that well I'd, I'd say no to that I'd say no to that I sort of, well, I think Avon's book just done more since it's an adventure book. And that's quite popular with kids nowadays. I feel like, like, if you, I don't know if you know about Percy Jackson books or big adventure books like that. A lot of kids like adventure books like that. There's not many kids that are into historical fiction, which was the genre of my book. You find a few, but I've just sort of come to terms with that. And I just think that, you know, the kids that want to read historical fiction will read historical fiction. So, yeah, we don't really, we're not really the type to have rivalries like that, to be honest. No, yeah. Sometimes but, rivalry is a good thing. Yeah, it's not always yeah. bad, is it? You know? Funny, funny enough, Jules and I don't really have any rivalries. Jules is probably the least competitive person I know, <laughs> in the sense of if you if you're playing like a card game or something, and she loses, she's actually really pleased that you won. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> and then I'm the other way around. I'm far too polite. It's like oh, I don't really want to beat you now. Yeah, I think I think I'm a competitive person, but in this case, I don't really see the need to be competitive yeah. because she's my sister, and we both love what we do. Yeah. Well, this is it, and and you're both working towards the same goals, aren't you, in, for your business and what you're trying to get out there. So. So whether your books are are different genres, like you say, and one gets more sales than the other, the reality is that it's fine because it's all going for the greater good, isn't it? So another question I was going to ask you guys about writing. Uh, How long did it actually take you to master your writing style? Because obviously writing a short story, it's different from writing a whole book or a novel where you can get an editor involved. You can take your time over it. If you've got a short deadline, you need to get it write quite quickly don't you yeah well personally I would say that I've mastered my writing style because I don't think anybody's really mastered anything there's always more to learn but I think to you know make progress in our writing style it's probably taken us 
I think I've only really been truly comfortable with my writing style in the past like year I'd say yeah, because obviously writing short stories every month really helped us try to perfect as much as possible obviously nothing can be perfect but try to you know perfect as much as possible what we write and be really comfortable with our style but I say there's still a lot more to learn and it's really fun to you know see where our writing can take mm. us next. I love that because you just said a key word for us as well, which is making progress yeah. and not necessarily being a master. And a lot of people, when you talk to them, you say practice makes and then they'll immediately say the word perfect. Yeah. yeah. Now, we're big advocates, as you know, where we say practice makes progress. A couple of myths. First of all, I don't know. Does perfection really exist? I think perfection is almost impossible to achieve. I think you know there's always room to improve there's always more things to learn even the best authors still you know read back on their stories and they think oh why have I written that you know that doesn't sound like a good story yeah even the best of the best still have room to improve perfection is quite subjective what might be perfect in your eyes can be a bit imperfect in another person's eyes so it really depends on your personal preferences that's exactly what I was going to say that's it perfection to one person isn't the same to another person so it's almost like it's, it's a false thing isn't it yeah yeah it's very hard to define so I'm going to ask you guys another question a bit of an on the spot question here because obviously you go to school and we go into schools quite a lot and work with a lot of teenagers who are studying for their exams and and going through a lot of stressful times there's a lot of high expectancies but also on the side of that you have in schools, there's a lot of competition between students. And then obviously you've got your Instagram, TikTok and all your social media portraying this image of what they think is perfection. What would you say to a young person or, or an adult who are looking at these Instagram feeds, maybe seeing a, a supermodel or a guy with a six pack abs <laughs> yeah. or the footballers on the TV that their hair's perfect, even when they've played football, or the athletes, whatever, you know. What would you say to somebody who's sitting there and thinking, well, they look perfect. I can't be like that. Mm. And there's such a gulf from them. Yeah, well, I think, you know, a lot of people say this, but things are in line of almost 100% of the time edited, either cropped somehow, you know, the lighting might be changed, Photoshop might have been used just to touch up the face a bit. So I think you have to take everything you see with a pinch of salt. I'm not saying, you know, the models you see don't have amazing bodies, but, you know, not all of the time is like when they're true to the image. So I think for... A young person, you know, I have been in that situation before where you're looking on Instagram and scrolling through and you're saying, oh, why don't I look like this? But, you know, that's one person's version of perfect or however, you know, however they interpret themselves to look. And I think if you're just true to yourself and you just think, you know, you can't be like them. So why would you you know, spend your time aspiring to be something that you're never going to be instead of spending time, you know, looking at yourself and just accepting yourself for who you are, because you obviously can't change that. And adding on to that, I think that someone else's beauty isn't your lack of beauty. Somebody else can be really beautiful. And that doesn't mean that you're not beautiful in yourself. Everybody's different and everybody has their own different skill sets. And I also think that beauty standards these days, a lot of people have, you know, really high beauty standards. They have to have like no face fat or they have to have like a curvy body or things like that. Yeah. And um, I think when it comes to beauty standards, it's just we're all human at the end of the day. And I'm sorry to be a bit morbid, but when we're all six feet down, you're not going to be able to tell if somebody had yeah, a curvy waist or yeah. like the perfect shape, you know. So I think just enjoy your life because life is such a beautiful thing and you don't want to spend it all worrying that you don't look perfect enough. Uh, That's amazing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely spot on. And I couldn't have put that any better than you guys have, have, have just done that. 
with your journey through through education and growing up I mean just be the best version of yourself you are who you are and you, you know you've been created to be you not somebody else Mary Poppins is the only person who's practically perfect in every way of course <laughs> yeah that's true I love Mary Poppins. Yeah, we can't all be Mary Poppins. Sort of going back to your to your writing and your books, and particularly say your your short stories. Where about where do you get your inspiration from to create your stories? Well, we just get our inspiration from anywhere, to be honest. When we're just walking or in the car, or if we're just talking about different ideas and bouncing off each other, I think there are so many different ways, you can, different places you can get your ideas from. And we always tell kids, we always advise kids to maybe walk around if you're starting out writing walk around with like maybe a tiny little notebook and a pen so if you see anything outside that catches your eye if you see like a bird that looks strange or you know you see something weird in the park write it down and you can you know pickpocket those ideas and put them into your stories I think you can pinch ideas from anywhere anything that's a good it's like being a detective Mm. isn't it you know a police yeah Yeah, write your little notes down I remember when we started writing don't get your neck tattooed I used to use the notes a lot on my phone so yeah. wherever we were, it, something would just pop into my mind or Jules would say something. It's like, let me write this down really quickly. Yeah. I always get things in my notes because your brain, and I think often people think, oh, I'm going to remember it. Trust me, your brain is tricking you. Yeah. You're not going to remember it. <laughs> it just takes five seconds. Just write something down on your phone so you can come and look at it later. And you never know what that could turn into. So, yeah, talking about our book don't get your neck tattoo this is a shameless plug we always shamelessly plug our books when we can drop them in there you guys can do that in a minute uh, in a, in our book we actually have a chapter which is called p for practice as well and there's a quote right at the start that was said by gary player who was a golfer he said the more i practice the luckier i get and it's that age-old thing where people sometimes say oh, it's okay for you, you're an author, you've sold loads of books, or it's okay for you, you're a millionaire, you've got loads of money, or it's okay for you, you've passed your exams, you're successful, you've run your own business or whatever. Mm. But I love that statement because there's actually a couple of bits of luck that we talked about in the book. And one of them, I'm just turning the page here, there's random good luck. So this could be putting the numbers on the lottery tomorrow and winning the jackpot. You have absolutely no control over that. You're picking some random numbers and they just happen to match the numbers that somebody else picked out. This could also be where you do something like archery or 10-pin bowling and the first time you get a bullseye or you get a strike. (laughs) Knock all the balls down. The likelihood of you doing that for the next 10 shots or the next 10 goes or whatever is probably not going to happen. So that's random good luck. But what we've got here is what's called opportunity luck. And opportunity luck could be say for example a footballer who trains constantly and then in a top game he has a shot he completely mishits it but the goalkeeper misses it goes in the goal he scores the winning goal (laughs) but the reason why it's opportunity luck is because he's had that shot so many times so opportunity luck is about practicing over and over and over again now you guys obviously have to practice quite a lot to be good writers I'm presuming you practice a lot in your studies because you're a very good school but just in life in general, what are your top practice tips? What do you practice on the most? I think with writing, things you have to practice a lot is, mm, I th- I'd say trying to, you know, be original in writing. That's something that we try to practice a lot. I, what do you think, Carson? I see. I would say for writing, I would say practicing with different storylines. A lot of writers sometimes tend to follow the same sort of path with their stories. Mm. 
um, in like the same order. So maybe practice with lots of different ideas. So maybe so you can start with your ending at the beginning. So say what happens in the end and then go through your story instead of just going in chronological order as most writers tend to. Um, so I think just playing around with it, practicing lots of different combinations mm -hmm. until you find what you're really comfortable with. And then once you keep doing that, keep doing that, you'll start making some best-selling books. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really good. That's a really good tip because most of our books have been true life about yeah. sort of our mm. stories. So we've, we've done them in order mm. and that's really good, isn't it? Because if you get an ending and work backwards, I like that tip. In studying, I say with opportunity, like as you were saying in that analogy, there's some positions of luck where you work to be put in that position. Some luck is just random. There's a random chance that this happens. But then in other instances, say you've like really revised hard for an exam and then it just happens that every question on the exam you know the answer to that is very lucky but you've also put yourself in that position to yeah. to be in the right position for that and you know ace that exam let's say so yeah I think it's always good to practice so that you just get that right combination and when that comes to you then you'll be in the perfect position yeah that's amazing advice and it's something that we're big advocates of when we do study sessions is to say to students, just do your revision, do your study, focus on the journey now and learn as much mm -hmm. as you possibly can. Yeah. The exam in reality is the academic part where you get your memory tested, isn't it? Yeah. And you can you can have random good luck or random bad luck. And you yeah. say random good luck would be having the questions that you've studied, but if you've studied <laughs> them all, that's great. Random bad luck would be completely forgetting everything on the day and just having a complete mental block, which happens to the best of us, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Talking of revision then, you guys are obviously in the throes of study as well. What are your best tips around revision and study? So this year I've recently started, you know, finding my own ways of revising because before my friends used to say, oh yeah, I did flashcards and then I did loads yeah. of questions. And I used to go and try this thing. Oh, yeah, my friend's doing it. They're getting really good grades. I'm going to get really good grades if I do that. And sometimes that can work. But I think it's best to go down your own route and find a revision path and method, revision methods that work for you. So this year, I've not been listening to my friends. I've taken some ideas from them because it's good to take ideas. But I've been trying more to use, do active recall. So maybe I'll do a Quizlet online. I'll do a Seneca for science or watch a video and then do some questions on that. And then once I've gathered all the knowledge I need to, I'll go away and do a paper so I can apply my knowledge. Then I'll mark that. And then the answers I get wrong, use my time and go and go over the ones I've got wrong, make sure I'm really secure. And then I can try another paper and see if I can get those all right. So I've been trying to do that. And it has been helping me. I've seen my tests and results improving recently. That's good to hear because, yeah, it's, I mean, everybody does learn differently, don't they? And have different yeah. techniques. So, yeah, that's, that's really good that you found something that's working for you. And also try to make revision fun. I know sometimes if you really hate the subject you're revising, sometimes it can seem like a chore. But, you know, try to enjoy yourself and try to make it somewhat more enjoyable than it already is. For example, if you're very musical, I don't know, maybe mess around and try making the thing you're revising into like a song or <laughs> you know, make it make it seem like it's not a chore. Make it mm. seem like it's something that you're going to benefit from in enjoyment wise and then also academically wise. And I also think don't just use the same techniques for every single subject because each subject is completely different. You know, like you're not going to really revise for drama like you'd revise for math. So try to find out what is the best way to revise for each individual subject and then really play into those strengths. That's fabulous. We actually have a strap line on our study mm. programs, which is we show students how to make revision and study easy and fun. 
And you've just given us a little proof there <laughs> of how to do that. Because lots of people look at us and go, that's impossible. You can't have fun doing my least favourite subject. We actually talked about that in our podcast last week, Essence mm. for Study, yeah. didn't we? So just to finish off today's episode, we wanted you to be able to plug your book, of course, because mm-hmm. we've already shamelessly plugged Don't Get Your Neck Tattooed. <laughs> so tell us the titles of your books, where people can get hold of them, and also how they can subscribe to this wonderful subscription service. Yeah, so my book is called Sagas of Anya. And my book is called Land of the Neurogons. And you can find both on our website, happiereverychapter.com. You can also find both of our books on Amazon. And if you want to subscribe to our subscription box, that'll be on happiereverychapter.com. And our books are also on the Waterstones website. Oh, yes, sir. You're in Waterstones. Oh, oh, Waterstones. you are proper authors, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> How fantastic. It's such a, such a young age as well. Oh, yeah, just amazing, amazing story, isn't it? It's lovely. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. So, so inspirational. And if people are sitting there thinking, I can't do something, Mm -hmm. then just look these wonderful people up on Happy Every Chapter and you will find out a little bit more. So thank you so much for joining us. I think we might get you back for an episode next month around about exams when we're approaching exams in May. Thank you. We really enjoyed it. So just to wrap up and say thank you to our listeners. We really appreciate you tuning in again. If you want to find us, you can find us on our website, which is futuretoolbox.co.uk. You can also go to our social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. TikTok. Uh, We're also on YouTube, so subscribe to our channel. Go and find our blog as well. In fact, we're everywhere. (laughs) But we really, really look forward to catching you next week. Thank you very much to Kirsten and Avon for joining us again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. See you all soon. Bye. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the Z2A of Life Skills with Jules and Mark of the Future Toolbox. Don't forget to head over to their website, which is futuretoolbox.co.uk, where you can find lots of free resources, plus a host of books in the store, as well as subscribing to the membership site. Follow Future Toolbox Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Future Toolbox, and subscribe to their YouTube channel too.